arrive over there in uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 17. And we've been uh, studying the, the book of 2 Samuel, going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And we've been several weeks now in this rebellion of, uh, uh, of David with his son Absalom. And tonight we're going to deal specifically with the subject of Ahithophel, and we're going to talk about Ahithophel tonight. He uh, commits suicide in this chapter. But before we can really jump into the chapter, I just want to do a little bit of review on the life of Ahithophel and just show you several things. Ahithophel, you're there in 2 Samuel chapter number 17. Uh, turn a few uh, pages back to chapter number 15, and I want you to notice verse number 12, 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 12. 2 Samuel 15 and verse 12, the Bible says this, And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gileonite, I want you to notice the Bible tells us here, David's counselor. Ahithophel was not just some guy that uh, was around during the kingdom of David. Ahithophel uh, served as a counselor, just like today the president of the United States will have a, a cabinet, you know, of, of people that help him and counsel him and, and, and help him lead the nation. Uh, David had men like Joab who led the military and men like Ahithophel whose job was to bring him counsel. This was somebody that David uh, trusted. This was somebody that David uh, thought of as a friend. This was somebody that David thought highly of in regards uh, to their, their, their counsel and their wisdom and their, the, the way that they thought. And, and this, this is who Ahithophel was. He was David's counselor. He was David's friend. He was, he, was, he was someone that David trusted in. But, of course, as we've seen over the last several weeks, Ahithophel ended up turning on David. You're there in 2 Samuel 15, verse 12. Look down at verse number 31. 2 Samuel chapter 15. Look at verse number 31. Notice what the Bible says. And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. Now, I want you to notice the reaction by David because we've seen David react to other people where he's basically said, remember when, when Ziba came and said and brought David the gifts, David asked, you know, where's your master's son? Where's Mephibosheth? He uh, expected Mephibosheth to come out and support him and to be part of his group. So when, when David finds out about Ahithophel, notice his reaction is not, what? I can't believe that. Or, or, or he's not asking, where is Ahithophel? Where's my trusted friend? Where's my counselor? Notice he's told there in verse 31, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And here's his response. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Notice he's not really surprised by it. He almost seems like he expected it. He, he, he just, he hears about it and then he just pray, makes a prayer to God. And he says, Lord, I know Ahithophel is a smart guy. I know Ahithophel is a wise guy. I know Ahithophel serves as my counselor and probably will serve as the counselor of Absalom. And Lord, I'm just praying that you would please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. But I want you to notice, there's no reaction of surprise. There's no question as to, well, what happened? Or he's not asking, where's Ahithophel? Like he was asking for Mephibosheth. It's almost like he expected it. And you would say, well, what happened to Ahithophel? What is the reason that Ahithophel turned on David, his trusted friend, his counselor, someone that David promoted up to, to, to a place of leadership, to a place of prestige, where Ahithophel was just known as a man. We'll, we'll look at it here in a little bit, but the Bible tells us when Ahithophel spoke, people listened. 
People respected what he had to say. When they asked him a question, they knew that they were getting the correct answer. And you'd say, why would Ahithophel turn on David? You're there in 2 Samuel chapter 15. I want you to look at verse 12 again because I want you to just make note of something. And before I even show you that, let me say this. Ahithophel is a very bitter man. Ahithophel was bitter at David and towards David. And it ended up destroying his life. And I want to teach you from the life of Ahithophel just several things that we can learn about this idea of bitterness. Because Ahithophel ended up ruining his life because he was very bitter at David. And, I, and let me say this, it was a justifiable bitterness. Are you there in 2 Samuel 15? Look at verse 12. And Absalom sent for, why don't you notice those three words, Ahithophel the Gilonite. Do you see that? I want you to remember that's who Ahithophel is. Ahithophel was Ahithophel the Gilonite. You say, why is that important? Keep your place there in 2 Samuel. Well, we're, not, we're probably not going to come back to chapter 15, but we'll be back to chapter 17. But go, let's fast forward a little bit to 2 Samuel chapter number 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23, and I want you to look down at verse number 34. Now, in 2 Samuel 23, we are being given a list of David's mighty men, the the warriors that fought with David. And in that list, we are told about a young man named Eliam. Look at 2 Samuel 23, look at verse number 34. Eliphalet, the son of Ahasbi, the son of Maacathite, comma, that's a a different person. Then notice what the Bible says here. Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilanite. Do you see that? Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilonite. See, Ahithophel had a son by the name of Eliam. And Eliam was one of David's mighty men. He wasn't the general. He wasn't running the show. But he was part of the group. He was part of the military. He was sold out for David. And he was on David's side. And I want you to understand, this is the family of Ahithophel. This was a family that was loyal to David. This was a family that was patriotic to the nation of Israel. You have Ahithophel working for the king, working as a cabinet member, working as someone who counsels the king. And then you've got Ahithophel's son, who's one of David's mighty men. He's one of the warriors that helps David in the fight state on behalf of David. So we have Ahithophel the Gilonite, and he has a son by the name of Eliam. You say, well, why is that important? Go to 2 Samuel chapter number 11. 2 Samuel chapter number 11. Now in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we have the famous story that we spent time going through that story about David committing adultery with a young lady by the name of Bathsheba. In 2 Samuel chapter number 11 and verse number 3, the Bible says this, And David sent and inquired after the woman. Remember when he first saw her, he sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, he said, who is that over there, that young lady taking a bath over there? You know, who is that? And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of, do you see that name? Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. See, I want you to understand something. Ahithophel had a son by the name of Eliam. And Eliam had a daughter by the name of Bathsheba. And David, knowing full well who Bathsheba was, knowing full well who Bathsheba's not only husband was, who was a mighty man that fought for David, but who Bathsheba's father was, Eliam, who was a mighty man who fought for David. And David, knowing full well who Bathsheba's grandfather was, 
Ahithophel, the Gilanite, his counselor, chose to commit adultery with Bathsheba, chose to take advantage of his power, to take advantage of his position, to take advantage of the influence that he held, and not only defiled Bathsheba, had Uriah the Hittite put to death. And Ahithophel watches all of this go by. Now, here's the thing. I don't have any grandchildren, obviously. I've got children. I can tell you this. I love my children very much. And I'm not a grandparent, but, you know, I think grandparents love their grandchildren as much, if not more, (laughs) than their children. I mean, they're called grandchildren uh, for a a reason, right? Uh, They must be grander than children, I guess, you know? I can tell you this. If Ahithophel was anything like any normal person, he loved Bathsheba very much. This is someone who watched, I mean, I, I'm sure, I, I, I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I know that my wife and I, whenever we've had children, my mom and dad are there within hours of the birth to see that child. I'm sure I hit the fell was there when Eliam said, hey, dad, my wife is pregnant. I'm sure I hit the fell was there when Eliam's wife gave birth to a little girl, and Ahithophel might have asked, what are you going to name her? And, 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 and he would have answered, but we're going to call her Bathsheba. And I'm sure Ahithophel held Bathsheba and, and, and looked into her eyes and said, what a pretty name. I'm sure Ahithophel watched this little girl as she grew up and watched her learn to walk and watched her learn to become a, a young lady. I'm sure Ahithophel, I remember my wife and I got married. Her grandparents came down from all the way down from several hours away to, be, uh, uh, to, to, to come to our wedding. I'm sure Ahithophel was there when Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite got married. I'm just trying to explain to you, the Bible is not just a book that records events. These are real people with real emotions, with real things. And here you have Ahithophel, who's David's counselor, who's David's friend, who's his trusted advisor, and he sits back and watches this whole thing play out. He, he has insight. He's not stupid. He, he can do math. I mean, Uriah dies, and now David's married to Uriah, and the baby comes before nine months. You know, I mean, he, he can figure it out. And I want to explain something to you that Ahithophel, I believe, became very, very bitter towards David. And justifiably so. I'd be mad too. See, make your way back to 2 Samuel chapter 17. I want you to understand several things about this idea of bitterness. If you don't have a child in your lap, I'd like you to write these things down. Point number one this morning is this. This morning, good night. This evening is this. Bitterness, when allowed to take root, will consume you. Bitterness, when allowed to take root, will consume you. I want you to notice verse number one of 2 Samuel chapter 17. The Bible says, Moreover, Hithophel said unto Absalom. Now notice, Ahithophel is bringing his counsel to Absalom, and I want you to notice what he says. And I want you to to notice the the anger that almost spills out in the counsel that he gives to David. Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, notice what he says. He says, let me. Notice, he doesn't say, let we or let us. But he says, he said, me, let let me do it. Notice what he said. Let me now choose out 12,000 men, and don't miss this, and I, do you see that? I will come upon him. Do you see that? 
He, he's not saying, hey, let, let's us go and battle them. It's very personal. He says, let me do it, Absalom. Let me now choose out 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night. Notice verse 2. And I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed and, uh, and will make him. What did he say? He said, and I will make him afraid. Do you see that? And all the people that are with him shall flee. Notice what he says. And I will smite the king. Notice how angry it is. He is. I will smite the king only. He says, Absalom, let me go and I'll kill David myself. He said, I don't have to kill anybody else. Just let me kill David. I don't have to hurt anybody else. Just let me hurt David. I don't have to make anybody else afraid. Just let me make David afraid. Look at verse 3. And I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man whom thou seekest is as of all returned, so all the people shall be in peace. And the saying, please Absalom well, and all the elders of Israel. Now keep your place there in 2 Samuel chapter 17. I'd like you to go with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 12. It's towards the end of the New Testament. If you start at the end of the Bible, you got the book of Revelation. If you head backwards, you're going to go past Jude, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter, James, and Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Do me a favor. When you get there, put a bulletin or a ribbon or a bookmark there because we're going to leave it. And we're going to come back to it. Hebrews chapter 12 and look at verse 15. I want you to understand that bitterness, when allowed to take root, will consume you. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, the Bible says this, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Notice what it says. Lest any root of bitterness. The Bible doesn't talk like this about a lot of sins. But here the Bible tells us the sin of bitterness is unique in that it will take root. Do you understand what that means? It'll, it'll go down deep. It, it, it'll, you know, some, sometimes it's difficult, you know, you've you got these little weeds, they don't have much of a root, you can pluck them out real easily, but you walk up to an oak tree, you're going to have a real hard time getting that, just pulling that thing off the ground, because it's got some roots that go down deep, that give it strength, and God says, there's something about bitterness, there's something about being bitter and angry and unforgiving towards somebody who maybe is totally justifiable. They hurt my child. They hurt my grandchild. They did me wrong. And I had to show up to work and smile at David and act like nothing was going on while he's betraying my family. I'm not saying it's not justifiable, but I will tell you this. When bitterness is allowed to take root, it will consume you. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. See, it will consume you. The Bible says, but if, you, but, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed lest ye be consumed one of another. See, the thing about bitterness is not like other sins where, where people will agonize over it. People will just constantly fester on it. They'll be thinking about it. And every time they see that person, they'll be mad and they'll get angry. And they'll think, well, well, they did this to me and they did that to me. And they, you know, I trusted them and, and I can't believe it. But listen to me, I'm not saying it's not justifiable. In fact, many people will, will deal with bitterness in their lives. And listen to me, if, if we gave you the mic and we said you get, up, you get up here and you tell us a story 
If Ahithophel was here this evening and we said, Ahithophel, you come up here and you tell us, here, we'll give you the mic. You tell us your story. And he got up here and he said, well, I had a son named Eliam and I had a daughter and they had a daughter and I had a beautiful granddaughter and David ruined her life. Look, we would all probably agree with him. You could get up here and tell your story about your mom or your dad or your husband or your wife or that church member or that neighbor. And we might agree with you. It may be justifiable. We might all say, yeah, I'd be mad. I'd be angry. But listen to me. When bitterness is allowed to take root, whether it's justified or not, it will consume you. It will take over your life. Ahithophel shows up to work that day. Absalom says, what should we do? He says, let me go kill him. I'll bring back everybody else. He's consumed by it. Bitterness, when allowed to take root, will consume you. Number two, bitter people will seek out bitter people. Notice what happens here in 2 Samuel 15. Go back to 2 Samuel 15. I told you we weren't going to go back, that, and I apologize. We, we, we are. 2 Samuel 15, notice what the Bible says. And Absalom... And Absalom. Who's Absalom? A bitter young man. Why? David did him wrong. His full sister was raped by his half-brother, and David took no action. And he got angry, and he got mad, and he festered on it, and he got upset about it. And the root of bitterness took in the heart of Absalom. And notice what Absalom does when he takes over the kingdom. Verse 12, and Absalom sent, called for Ahithophel. You say, why would Absalom call Ahithophel? I'll tell you this. Absalom calls Ahithophel because bitter people seek out bitter people to be bitter with. Bitter people... Well, and it's amazing. It's like, you know, the, the, the phrase, birds of a feather flock together is so true. And you will just find people, and you know, sometimes people get mad at me as the pastor of this church. And I'll be the first to stand up and say it's totally justifiable. I mean, sometimes I'm like, man, I'd be mad at me too if I was here. But it's funny how people will seek each other out and say, you know, you'll find a wife who's disgruntled with her husband, and she'll find another wife who's disgruntled with her husband, and they'll sit in that room and talk about their husbands. You'll find a husband who's upset at his wife and he'll just find somebody else to complain about his wife too or his pastor too or his boss too. You'll find employees at work that they're bitter and upset about something the boss did and then another one's bitter and upset and all of a sudden you got two best friends just being bitter together. You know why? Because bitter people find bitter people to be bitter with. Because bitterness is a unique sin in the sense that if you allow it to, it takes deep root in your heart and consumes you. See, bitter people seek out bitter people to be bitter with. Look at 2 Samuel 16, look at verse 20. Remember the first counsel that Ahithophel gave Absalom? 2 Samuel 16 and verse 20, notice what the Bible says. Then said Absalom to Ahithophel. Because remember, Absalom sent for Ahithophel. Ahithophel shows up. Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, give counsel among you. What shall we do? And Ahithophel said, here's Ahithophel's counsel unto Absalom. Go in unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house. You know what he says? Go and defile his wives. Like he defiled my granddaughter. 
Go and take advantage. Go, you know, do what you can do. He says, go into thy father's concubine, which he hath left to keep the house. And all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred. You know what the word abhorred means? He says, they'll hear that you hate you are, you're abhorred of thy father, then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. He's saying, do this grave sin against your dad, so everyone will know that you hate your dad. And Ahithophel's saying, and I hate him too. And I'm mad at him too. And you know what, Absalom? You're bitter, and I'm bitter. And that's why we're together. See, bitterness will take root in your heart if you allow it. Bitter people will seek out other bitter people to be bitter with. Number three, bitterness will destroy you. Bitterness will destroy you no matter how smart, how spiritual, how wise, how talented, or how much potential you have. 2 Samuel 16 and verse 23 tells us this about Ahithophel. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracles of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Now the Bible, and I talked about this last week when we were in this chapter. The Bible is not telling us that when you asked Ahithophel the question, he would give you an answer like God would give you in the sense that he always gave you the godly answer. But what he's saying is that it would be like if you were asking God that no matter what he said, it was the right answer. Now if, you're, if he's asking you the wrong question or the question with wrong motives, he might give you the answer that will get you the correct result, it might not be the right answer. And I want to make sure you understand that. If you went up to Ahithophel and you said, Ahithophel, what can I do to legitimately strengthen our kingdom? He's going to say, do X, Y, and Z, and that will be the right answer. If Absalom walks up to Ahithophel and says, Ahithophel, what can I do to take over the kingdom? Ahithophel could say, do X, Y, and Z, and it would be the right answer in the sense that it would be the correct answer. But Ahithophel was not necessarily a righteous man in the sense that everything he said was godly. But the Bible tells us you, you couldn't go wrong. Here, here's the thing I have. Here's the question I have with Ahithophel. If what the Bible tell, it tells us is true, which obviously it is, and Ahithophel always has the right answer, and Ahithophel always has the right counsel, why did Ahithophel not take his own counsel? I mean, if Ahithophel had a young man come to him and say, hey, someone did me so wrong, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. You think that's going to turn out well for me? I think Ahithophel would have had enough sense to say, hey, you know what? Don't let bitterness overtake you. See, oftentimes, you and I know what the right answer is. We know what the Bible says. We know what God wants us to do. We know that God wants us to forgive, that God wants us to look past, that God wants us to esteem other better. We know what the answer is. But it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have if you allow bitterness to take control of your heart. If you allow bitterness to take root in you, you could have all the right answers that hit the fell. But bitterness will still destroy your life. Because bitterness will destroy you no matter how smart you are. No matter how many good answers you give. No matter how much advice you have and wisdom you have. Keep your place in the Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, the, 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 the first two verses or three verses of 1 Corinthians 13 have always been very interesting to me. 1 Corinthians 13 is about charity. And I, I would say that charity is probably the opposite of bitterness. B- bitterness is angry and, and hateful. 
Charity, the Bible tells us, charity suffereth long. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, thinketh no evil. I mean, charity is the opposite of bitterness. But I want you to notice how Paul begins 1 Corinthians 13 when he speaks of charity. I feel like he's almost talking about Ahithophel. He says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Here's what he said. It doesn't matter how talented you are as a speaker or as a preacher. If you don't have or possess charity, if you don't know how to love people and treat people, you can be the greatest orator on earth. If you're a jerk, it doesn't mean anything. It won't help you. He said, your sermons will become like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Look at verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. He said, if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, if you can walk up to me and ask me any Bible question, and I can give you the answer, and you can say, well, what about Daniel's 70th week? And what about this during the tribulation? What about that? And you can ask all these questions, and you say, well, I've got all those answers. And have not charity. I am nothing. I hit the fell. See, he had a lot of knowledge. And he must have read his Bible a lot because the Bible says asking him a question is like asking the Bible a question. He must have really known. But look, the Bible says, Ahithophel, if you have all knowledge, if you have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and, and though I have all faith that I can remove mountains and I have not charity, he says, I am nothing. He says, I, I can do nothing. He said, it will not help me with anything. Because bitterness will destroy you no matter how smart you are. I don't care how many sermons you've listened to. I don't care how many downloads you have. I don't care how many sermons you got on your little iPod and you're all impressed because you got all the, I got all this knowledge. You got no charity. That's why people don't talk to you. I, I, I'm, I'm talking about in our movement. We got all these people running around with all this knowledge and I can tell you everything about this. But you don't know how to treat your parents. You don't know how to treat your friends. You don't know how to go to your loved ones. You don't know how to speak to people. You don't know how to have charity and have patience and have grace. And you think it's godly to get in fights and have it. Look, it's not godliness to have everybody mad at you. Say, Pastor, well, people are mad at you. They're, they're mad at me for what I preach. They're not mad at me because I'm a jerk. I try not to be a jerk. Sometimes I am. And if you're bitter about that, I'm sorry. <laughs> Bitterness will destroy you no matter how smart you are. Bitterness, when allowed to take root, will consume you. Bitter people will seek out other bitter people to be bitter with. Go back to 2 Samuel 17, look at verse 5. 2 Samuel 17, verse 5. So we get the counsel from Ahithophel. The counsel is, I am very angry. Let me go do it. I'll go kill myself. And I'll bring back everybody with me. Then said Absalom, verse 5, called now Hushai the archite. Remember Hushai? Hushai was the guy that went out to meet David, and David said, no, 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 go back and feign yourself to be a follower of Ahithophel, and you will be my spy that, uh, you, that he said that may is, uh, for me defeat the council of Ahithophel. So, so, David, so Absalom calls Hushai and says, well, Hushai... What do you think? Notice verse 5. Let us hear likewise what he saith. He said, let's, let's hear what Hushai has to say. Now notice what Hushai says. Hushai gives the wrong counsel, meaning it's the wrong counsel because it's not going to bring victory to Absalom, but that's what he's there to do. He's there to be a spy. He's there to try to give the wrong counsel to try to 
fight against the right counsel of Ahithophel. Notice what he says, verse 6. And when Hushai was come to Absalom, Absalom spake unto him, saying, Ahithophel hath spoken after this matter. Shall we do after his saying? If not, speak thou. So he says, here's what uh, Ahithophel say. Uh, Hushai, what do you think? Verse 7. And Hushai said unto Absalom, the counsel that Ahithophel hath given is not good at this time. Now here's what's funny about that. If the counsel that Ahithophel has given is not good at this time, then the counsel that Ahithophel has given will not be good at any time. Because, if it, look, if, if this is not the time to find David, catch David while he's confused, while he's disoriented, while he's mourning, if this is not the time, then there is no time. And, of course, we see Hushai is just trying to buy David time. Notice what he, notice what he says. In, uh, look down at verse uh, number uh, 8. For, said Hushai, thou knowest thy father and his men. And notice, he's, he begins to paint a picture for Absalom. He said, thou knowest thy father and, thy, and, and his men, that they be mighty men and they be chafed. He said, they, they are irritated, they are sore, they are upset. In their minds, as a bear robbed of her whelp. He said, it's like a mama bear that just had her little cub stolen from her in the field. And thy father is a man of war and will not lodge with the people. Behold, he is hid now in some pit or in some other place. Because Ahithophel said, hey, let me go. I'll catch him. I'll smite the king only and bring back the rest of the men. And and we'll have victory. And and Hushai says, you're not just going to run up and kill David, Ahithophel. And, And he paints this picture that's not true. He says, David is in some hole, in some pit, in some cave, sharpening his sword, getting ready to come and cut your head off. He's like, David is mad and angry. That, that's the picture he's painting. He's trying to put some fear into, into Absalom's uh, mind. Notice what he says in, in verse uh, 9. Behold, he is hid now in some pit or in some place, and it will come to pass when some of them Talking about Ahithophel and his 12,000 men. Because remember, Ahithophel said, hey, let me take 12,000 men. I'll go find David. I'll kill him myself. We'll bring back the people. He says, when some of them be overthrown at the first, that whosoever heareth it will say, there is a slaughter among the people that follow Absalom. Here's what he's telling him. He's saying, look, if Ahithophel goes over there and he doesn't succeed and he doesn't kill David and we get news back that Ahithophel's dead or that some of his men are dead, then people are going to start thinking, maybe I shouldn't have followed Absalom. You know, maybe, maybe this was a bad idea. That's the advice that Hushai is giving. Look at verse 10. And he also that is valiant, whose heart is as the heart of a lion, shall utterly melt. For all Israel knoweth that thy father is a mighty man, and they, be, uh, and they which be with him are valiant. Therefore, verse 11, I counsel. So he says, here's my advice. Hushai, giving the bad advice. Therefore, I counsel that all Israel shall be generally gathered unto thee, from Dan even to Beersheba, as the sand that is by the sea for multitude, and that thou go to battle in thine own person. Now notice what he's doing. He's buying David time because he says, I think you should gather all of the people. From Dan, which is the, the most southern part, uh, I'm sorry, from, from Dan, which is the most northern part region, to Beersheba, which is the most southern part. He said, get all the military together. Well, obviously getting a whole military of men together is going to take time to assemble them. And then he says, he says, let's get the whole army together. Well, that's going to take uh, uh, several weeks, Hushai. Yeah, but I think that's the best thing to do. You think we should give David several weeks to get ready? Well, I just think it's the best thing. <laughs> Trying to buy him some time. And then notice what he says at the end of verse 11. That thou go to battle in thine own person. See, if Ahithophel would have gone to fight David and Ahithophel would have died, guess what? Absalom's still alive. But he also gives counsel where he says, no, Absalom, let's get you in the battle. 
Let's get you in a place of danger. Let's get you somewhere where someone can kill you, where David can kill you, or as we know, Joab ends up killing him. Look at verse 12. So shall we come upon him, talking about David, in some place where he, David, shall be found, and we will light upon him as the dew falleth on the ground. Now notice, notice how Hushai, Hushai doesn't have a dog in this fight. He's not bitter. He just, he's just speaking like an advisor. So shall we come upon him in some place where he shall be found, and we will light upon him. Do you hear the difference between him and Ahithophel? I will. I'm going to go. I will kill him. We will light upon him as a dew falleth on the ground, and of him and of all the men that are with him, there shall not be left so much as one. And then, and then Hushai just kind of gets real colorful and very patriotic. Notice what he says in verse 13. Moreover, if he be gotten into a city, then shall all Israel bring ropes to the city, and we will draw it into the river until there be not one small stone found there. This is a real rah-rah speech. It's like, yeah, we're going to do it. And everybody's getting all excited, you know, starting to clap. Notice verse 14. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. Wasn't that an answer to David's prayer? Didn't David pray? Lord, he prayed, Lord, please defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. Now notice what it says. For the Lord appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. The Bible tells us Ahithophel gave the right counsel. He gave the right advice. If you want to win the victory, that's what he should have done. But Hushai was there to give the wrong advice, and God helped him that he might bring evil upon Absalom. Notice verse 15. Then said Hushai unto Zadok and to Abithar the priest, Thus and thus did Ahithophel counsel Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and thus have I counsel. So he goes back to the spies. You know, he's got a whole spy ring here. And he goes back to the other spies that are supposed to give the message. And he said, hey, here's what, I, here's what Ahithophel said. Here's what I said. Tell David, look at verse 16, Now therefore send quickly and tell David, saying, Lodge not this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily pass over, lest the king be swallowed up and all the people that are with him. Because Ahushai knew that Ahithophel was right. David was just in the plains. They could have overtaken him. And he says, hey, listen, Ahithophel said one thing. I said another thing. Uh, Absalom said he's going to follow my advice, but just in case he changes his mind, why don't you get out of the plains? Cross the Jordan River. Get that big uh, river of water between you as a buffer and give you some space to be able to get ready. Notice what the Bible says. Look look at verse... uh, uh, six, uh, the end of verse number 16. But speedily pass over, lest the king be swallowed up, and all the people that are with him. Look at verse 17. Now Jonathan and Ahimehaz stayed in Enrogel, for they might not be seen to come into the city. And a wench, the word wench is just an archaic word for a female servant. A wench went and told them, and they went and told King David. Nevertheless, a lad saw him. You see all the spy stuff going on here? You got a young girl. She goes out there. I don't know. She's acting like she's going to throw something away. And she says, hey, this is what... You need to go tell David. And then a lad saw them. Luke, Luke 18. Nevertheless, a lad saw them and told Absalom. But they went both of them away quickly and came to a man's house in Behurim, which had a well in his court, whether they went out. So now they're running from Absalom. They, they find someone that's friendly to them. And this guy has a well, a hole in the ground that they get water from. And they go inside the well to hide. Luke 19. And the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth. 
I'm not sure what that, you know, like a picnic blanket or something. She puts it over the, the, the mouth of the well so they're not able to see that hole and spread ground corn thereon, and the thing was not known. So she, put, she covers the well. They're hiding in the well. She covers the well. She takes some stuff off the ground and pours it on there so it looks like it's just ground, and the thing was not known. Notice what, notice what the Bible says, verse 19. And the woman took and spread the covering over the well's mouth and spread ground corn thereon, and the thing was not known. And when Absalom's servants came to the woman to the house, they said, Where is Ahimahaz and Jonathan? And the woman said unto them, They be gone over the brook of water, and when they had sought and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. Now, I don't have time to develop this because I'm running out of time, but let, let me say this. The Bible seems to indicate, and I, I, I'm going to just word it that way because I can't tell you this is true, but the Bible seems to indicate that it is not a sin to lie in time of war in order to protect people from the enemy. Because here you have this young, she flat out lies. Where, where's the high Mahas and Jonathan? They went that way. And they're in the ground in the hole. And remember the story of, uh, 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 of, uh, of Joshua sending the spies into the land. And they go into the house of Rahab the harlot. And the king's men come and they're like, where are the men? She's got him hiding upstairs, and she says, uh, they went over there. She said, I didn't know where they came from, and I don't know where they went. She said, go chase after them, and maybe you'll find them. And totally hit them, you know. And the Bible doesn't speak negatively about either one of these subjects. You say, why, why are you teaching us this? I guess what I'm just trying to explain to you is that when the cops show up at your house, when the secret police shows up at your house, and they're like, where's Pastor Jimenez? Because he's been preaching all these sermons, you know. Do me a favor and say, he went that way. When you know I went that way, okay, because it's, it seems to be fine, you know, during times of war. Hey, during the tribulation, you don't have to sell people out, okay? You can hide them in your well and, and just lie about it. It's not, it's not a sin. It doesn't seem to be a sin, at least, in the Bible. Look at verse 21. And it came to pass after they were departed, talking about Ahimahaz and Jonathan, that they came up out of the well and went and told King David and said unto David, Arise and pass Quickly over the water, for thus hath the Hithophel counsel against you. Then David arose, and all the people that were with him, and they passed over Jordan. By the morning light, there locked not one of them that was gone over Jordan. Now, we're going to get to point number four here in a second, but let me just review. Number one, bitterness will allowed to take root will consume you. Number two, bitter people will seek out bitter people to be bitter with. Number three, bitterness will destroy you, no matter how smart you are. Number four, bitterness hurts only you not the person you're bitter toward. You know that bitterness only hurts you? I'm just so mad, but you're not hurting them. And it destroyed the life of Ahithophel, look at verse 23. And when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his ass and rose and got him home to his house, to his city, and put his household in order and hanged himself. Committed suicide and died and was buried in the sepulcher of his father. Say, why did, why did Ahithophel do that? Well, I, I, a couple of reasons. Number one, I, I think he was just a real bitter guy. And when he wasn't given, when he saw that his counsel wasn't taken, he's like, oh, you know, upset. But here's the other thing. I think Ahithophel was smart. I think Ahithophel understood. They're going to go do what Hushai said, and these guys are all going to die. And David's going to come back and be king, and I'm going to get hanged anyway for treason. So he just goes and hangs himself. But here's what's interesting. Notice how the Bible words this, all right? Look at verse 23 again. And hanged himself and died and was buried in the sepulcher of his father. He hurt himself. He killed himself. Look at verse 24. Then David. Then David. Then David what? Then David kept living. Then David what? Then David fought another day. Then David what? Then David became king again. 
Then David came to Mahanaim, and Absalom passed over Jordan, he and all the men of Israel with him. You see, see, here's what I'm trying to explain to you. You know the one person that Ahithophel never hurt with all his bitterness? David. The very next verse, after we're told that Ahithophel dies, then David. Then David continued. Listen to me. Some of you are so bitter at somebody. A church member, a family member, it may be your wife, it may be your husband, it may be your mom, it may be your dad, it may be your son, it may be your, I don't know who it is, but some of you are just so bitter and so angry, you just will not forget, and you will not forgive, and you will not let it go. But listen to me, you're not hurting anyone but yourself. But yourself. Then David just continues on with life. Then David was chastised by God. Then David suffered the punishment of his own sins, and he, and he reaped what he sowed. But you know who Hithophel did not hurt? It was David. Because bitterness hurts you, not the person you're bitter towards. You don't have to turn back there, but if you remember the verse, Hebrews 12, 15, we looked at, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up, here's what the Bible says, trouble you. So you know who, what bitterness troubles? It's you. It hurts you. It affects you. Say, okay, pastor, then what do we do with bitterness? What do we do when we're upset? What do we do when we've been hurt? I mean, I've legitimately been hurt. So was Ahithophel. I just want you to understand that. So so was Ahithophel. It was legit. That was his granddaughter. That was his granddaughter's husband. And yet bitterness destroyed his life. You say, well, what do I do with bitterness? Go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're almost done. We'll be done here in five minutes. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. You say, what do I do? What do I do with bitterness? Good question. What do you do with bitterness? Let me give you three things you can do with bitterness, just as quickly as we can. Ephesians 4.31. Notice what the Bible says. Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians 4.31. Let all what? Bitterness. You see that? Let all bitterness. And by the way, this will work for bitterness, and it will work for wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. Same, same thing you can do for all of them. Let all bitterness. And by the way, usually all of these accompany each other. Bitterness accompanies wrath, which accompanies anger, which accompanies clamor, which accompanies evil speaking. He says, let all bitterness be put away from you. And then he says, with all malice. He said, I forgot to mention, put away malice too. <laughs> he said, you say, what do I do with bitterness? Here's what you do. Put it away. Put it away. So you know what we like to do with bitterness? We like to just think about it and fester. And every time I see that person, I just get so mad. I mean, look, how, how long are you going to just give an evil eye to that other church member that did you wrong? It was like four years ago. Let it go. <laughs> Put it away. Well, they took my parking spot. I, man, that was like eight, that was like six years ago. Really? And I'm just going to be angry. And I'm just going to be mad. I'm just never going to talk to them. I'm always going to turn away. Pastor, better not make me go talk to them. And better not put us together. Better not this. You don't think that happens? Because it happens every day. Not just at Verity Baptist Church, every church, anywhere you put people together. It happens at your job. It happens with your family. It happens with your neighbors. It happens at the Little League. It happens everywhere. People will hurt you. People will betray you. People will talk bad about you. And it'll be legitimate. Say, what do I do? Put it away. Stop thinking about it. Stop festering over it. 
Stop agonizing over it. Just say, I'm, I'm done with it. So what do you do? Put, it, put away bitterness. Quit agonizing over it. Say, so, well, what else do I do? Look at verse 2. And be kind one to another. Say, so, what, what do I do? Just, just be kind. To who? To those people that you're bitter towards. You'll be surprised if you start being nice to people you're upset with, you might find they're not that bad. In fact, they're kind of like me. They just have a bad day every once in a while. And they say stupid things every once in a while. And sometimes they go on Facebook and say stupid things. And sometimes they go on Twitter and say stupid things. And sometimes I overhear them talking about me saying stupid things. But but they're really not that bad. They're just kind of like me. Because you know what? I do all those things too. Sometimes I have a bad day. Sometimes I say things I shouldn't have said. Sometimes I regret what I said. And I, and I think, why did I say that? I say, well, what do I do? Just be kind. Just walk up to him with a smile and say, how you doing? Good to see you. I thought you hated me. I do. <laughs> but pastor said to be kind. You'd, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how easily someone might be won over and say, man, I used to think that person was so evil. Then they came and smiled and told me my, they liked the color of my shoes, and I think they're great. <laughs> so what do you do? Put away bitterness. What do you do? Be kind to those whom you are bitter towards. You may find that they are nice like you. So what do I do? Number three. Look at verse 32. Be kind one to another. Tenderhearted. Here's what you do. Forgiving one another. And, and here's, here's what, I love this verse because people say, well, I, can't, I just can't forgive them. I just can't let it go. Here's what's interesting about that. Forgiving one another, here's the key, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. See, we want God to forgive us. We mess up and we make mistakes and we go down the wrong thing and, and, and we do stupid things and we go against God and we hurt him and we betray him and things aren't going wrong and we say, God, forgive me, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. God doesn't sit there and say, oh, I'm bitter at you. I'm mad at you. I'm going to give you the evil eye every time I see you at church. No, we want his forgiveness. We'll take his forgiveness. And here's what God says. Then you forgive others in the same way that you've been forgiven. You want grace? Show grace. You want forgiveness? Show forgiveness. You want some patience? Show patience. Say, but they still hurt me. I, I know, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. Bitterness will only hurt you. You're never going to actually get back at David. You're not going to hurt him. God's going to have to deal with that. Say, so, well, what do I do? Put it away. What do I do? Be kind. What do I do? Forgive. That's the counsel Ahithophel would have given Ahithophel. But he didn't take his own counsel. He didn't think about what the oracles of God might have said. Because bitterness, when allowed to take root, will consume you. Go, go back to 2 Samuel 17. We'll, we'll finish up so we won't be in this chapter next week. Bitter people will seek out bitter people to be bitter with. Just realize that. Bitterness will destroy you no matter how smart you are. Bitterness hurts you, not the person you're bitter towards. And, and by the way, let me say this. If all you and your friends ever do, all you do is get around each other, and all you do is criticize and be critical of other people, it, it, you're just, just realize, just mark it down. You're bitter people befriending other bitter people. If that's all you ever do, 
All you ever do is you get together, you talk about the pastor, you talk about the pastor's wife, talk about this person, that person, and what they did and what they then just realize it, because you may not realize it. You're just bitter people looking for other bitter people. Birds of a feather flock together. Second Samuel 17, look at verse 25. Let's finish up the chapter. And Absalom made Amasa captain of the host instead of Joab. He gives Joab's job to Amasa. Joab, by the way, gets real bitter about that and ends up killing Amasa. We'll see that. Which Amasa was the man's son whose name was Ithra, an Israelite, and went to Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister of Zariah, Joab's mother. So Israel and Absalom pitched in the land of Gilead. And it came to pass, when David was come to Mahanaim, that Shobai, just notice here what happens, Shobai, the son of Nahash, of Reba, and of the children of Ammon, and Maker, the son of Amiel, and Lodabar, and Barzillai, and the Gileadite, and, and Rogalim. Notice what these people do. Unlikely candidates bought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched poles and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kind for David and for the people that were with him to eat. For they said, the people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Let me just say this. When you're in need, you find out who your real friends are. That I, I, I never really, yeah, I, remember, I remember, I never understood that, that quote, you know, Years ago, I'd hear people say, a friend in need is a friend indeed. And I think, what does that mean? Because I didn't realize, you know, I was just a kid. I wasn't smart enough to realize. What that that means is, when I'm in need and someone is my friend, someone who's my friend in my need, that's a friend indeed. And here you begin to see who David's real friends are. Because, look, it's easy to be your friend when you're on top, when you're the king, when everything's going well. When you're running and things aren't going well and people show up and say, hey, I, I heard you were hungry. I heard you were behind on your rent. Let me help you. A friend in need is truly a friend indeed, and you got to remember that. When your friends are in need, make sure you be a, a true friend because when you're in need, you find out who your friends are. When things aren't going well, it, when you're winning, everyone's your friend when you're winning. But when you're not doing well, that's when you find out who your friends are. Let's buy her, then I will pray.